the Noon Report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. We're go for some snow. Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us. I'm Mark Webster. After waiting on wintry weather, we've got some snow headed our way. It's not a whopper, but... It's a medium-sized system, but several inches of accumulation can be expected from later tomorrow through tomorrow night, and for this winter, it'll be notable. That is our erstwhile meteorologist, Kevin Williams, who's tracking the storm. His updated forecast just ahead. It's the same system that's hammering already waterlogged and snow-buried California. I feel very trapped back here, and I just don't know what else to do. I'm starting to run out of food. Most of the basics I'm out of. That's one of the Golden Staters who've been snowbound for over two weeks now. No relief in sight. This guy says you have to see it to believe it. Probably about a million cubic yards. <laughs> it's a daunting task. Indeed. Where it's not snow, it's torrential rain. 17 million people out there under flood watches right now. Ukraine under attack again. A massive nationwide missile and drone attack overnight. The BBC's James Landale is in Kiev. In Odessa, they suffered what the local mayor said was a massive... Massive missile strike in Kharkiv, too. They said they'd suffered strikes of 15 attacks. Perhaps most significantly, the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant is reporting that it has lost access to energy itself. It's now running on its diesel generators. This woman wrote it out in her basement along with her newborn. With my three-month-old baby, we have to go down to the basement. Uh, we have there a few beds, some sleep socks, some mattresses. And we're just sleeping on the floor because it, it feels safer. Ukraine's president again renewing his call for F-16s from the U.S. Down goes Mitch. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell hospitalized after a fall. A spokesman for the 81-year-old veteran Kentucky senator says McConnell was attending a private dinner at a Washington hotel when he tripped and was then admitted for treatment. In 2019, the GOP Senate leader tripped and fell at his home in Kentucky, then suffering a shoulder fracture. CBS's Tom Foti, the CEO of Norfolk Southern, testifying before for a Senate committee today following recent high-profile train derailments, especially the one in East Palestine, Ohio. That's going to take up most of the hearing's time. Alan Shaw expected to say he's deeply sorry and determined to make things right. Operations management expert Greg DeYoung. This has really served as a wake-up call, if nothing else, or certainly has put them on notice that they need to make some changes to the way that they're running their railroads. Now to a House hearing that happened yesterday on the origins of COVID. Former CDC Director Dr. Robert Redfield testifying how doctors Fauci and Collins used unverified data to dismiss the lab leak theory in favor of natural transmission. Ohio Congressman Brad Wenstrup says Republican lawmakers will get to the bottom of it. There will be more hearings and more inquiries and more documents discovered. We will follow every lead. The coronavirus started its massive spread three years ago. Some members of Congress have been hacked. A data breach of a health care company has affected hundreds of lawmakers and staffers on Capitol Hill. Not only can you use the personal information that's included with medical records, which is very useful to somebody that's looking for identity theft, but it's also useful for attackers that want to carry out, for example, phishing campaign. Intelligence analyst Alan Liska, a notable jump in unemployment signups. The Labor Department says new claims rose on the week by a seasonally adjusted 21,000 
to 211,000, the highest since late December. New applications for unemployment insurance surged by more than 10,000 in California, by more than 16,000 in New York State. Bank rates Mark Hamrick. Health News Now, a significant change coming in breast cancer screening for certain women. The FDA has just announced mammogram providers will be required to inform women with dense breast tissue that their cancer screenings may be difficult to interpret and they should consult doctors about additional testing. Supporters say the new standards will save lives. CBS's Deborah Rodriguez. That six-year-old boy in Newport News, Virginia, who shot and wounded his teacher in class a couple of months ago, won't be facing any charges. The prosecutor says the first grader's just too young to be competent to stand trial or to understand the charges against him. This grandparent of a student at that school says the incident shouldn't just go away. Someone is responsible, and someone needs to be held responsible. Officials say it's possible the boy's mother may still be charged in the case. Seems you can create just about anything with a 3D printer these days, even a rocket ship. Last night, they tried to launch a rocket printed with 3D parts into space, but ran into a last-second snag with fuel temperatures running out of specs, forcing a launch scrub. John Brost is with the manufacturer Relativity Space. We need to prove that a 3D printed rocket can survive the environments of a rocket's flight. They're going to try it again on Saturday. And not that you needed anything else to keep you up at night, but an asteroid could be headed for Earth in about two decades. The European Space Agency says the asteroid named 2023-DW has a 1 in 625 chance of hitting the Earth on February 14, 2046. Happy Valentine's Day. The giant space rock is number one on the agency's risk list of flying objects that could hit Earth. Still to come on the Noon Report, a wake this afternoon for a fallen Buffalo firefighter, President Biden in Philadelphia for a budget address. And just what is milk anyway? Well, good afternoon to all. I'm Kevin Williams tracking a snow system coming east out of Colorado. It's going to produce several inches of snow accumulation across our region later tomorrow and tomorrow night. I'll have the details and the complete forecast coming up. We'll see you in about 10 minutes. All right. Thank you, Kevin Williams. Now checking the stories making news where you live in New York and Pennsylvania. The wake for fallen Buffalo firefighter Jason Arno is this afternoon. It'll be held at the Amagon Funeral Home on Delaware Avenue in Buffalo from 2 to 8 p.m. Buffalo Police Commissioner Joe Gramalia tells News 4. This is a very solemn ceremony, a solemn day. 5,000 to 10,000 people are expected to pay their respects. Arno's funeral will be tomorrow morning at St. Joseph's Cathedral. A speaker who's stirred up some controversy is scheduled to make an appearance at the University of Buffalo tonight. Michael Knowles, who works for the conservative news site The Daily Wire, will be attending an event hosted by the UB student chapter of Young Americans for Freedom. Knowles made headlines recently when he said that transgenderism should be eradicated. The school president says so long as a student group follows proper rules, they can't be disallowed from having a speaker of their choice on campus. Rochester's Main Street Armory has been indefinitely barred from hosting any concerts or public events. This following the deadly weekend stampede during a rap concert. The bottom line is lives were lost. We need to take steps to make sure that no lives are lost in the future if this was indeed something that was preventable. Rochester Police Chief David Smith. Wayne County deputies have tracked down the person who they say is responsible for a murder that happened nearly two years ago. Officials say 48-year-old Michael Robinson killed 52-year-old Tori Mathis at House's Motel in Arcadia back in June 2021. It's believed the men knew each other. An autopsy revealed Mathis died of sharp force injuries. Robinson is facing multiple charges and is behind bars without bail. 
I've just been lucky to be able to coach this long. It seemed like it would never happen, but it's the end of the line, finally, for Syracuse men's basketball coach Jim Beheim, the man their home court is named after. He says it shouldn't have been a surprise to anyone, though. I think you missed it. I gave my retirement speech on the court last Saturday, and I gave it in the press conference afterwards, and nobody except William Payne figured it out. The 78-year-old Lions New York native retires as the second winningest head coach in Division I men's basketball history. He's been at the helm for Syracuse since 1976. Before that, he was an assistant coach. Before that, he played for them. He's been replaced by associate head coach Adrian Autry, another former player. To Pennsylvania, President Joe Biden will once again return to his native state today. The president set to unveil his federal budget proposal at at a Philadelphia Union Hall. The White House says he's coming to Philly after he was invited by Representative Brendan Doyle, who's from Philly. He's also the highest-ranking Democrat on the House Budget Committee. Among the plans Biden's expected to push, tax increases on wealthy individuals and corporations in a budget plan he says will reduce the deficit by $2 trillion over the next decade. The White House is unveiling its proposal to raise the Medicare surtax on earned and unearned income above $400,000 from 3.8% to 5%. They also want to tax wealthy households requiring folks with more than $100 million to pay a 20% tax on income and the unrealized gains of liquid assets like stocks. Biden is also expected to reintroduce raising the top marginal income tax rate from 37% to 39% and raising the corporate tax rate from 21% to 28%. Republicans have said that Biden's budget will be dead on arrival when formally sent to Capitol Hill Thursday. Aaron Real, NBC News Radio. An upcoming federal cost of living adjustment to Social Security benefits could shake up a state of Pennsylvania program that helps older and disabled Pennsylvanians pay their rent and property taxes. Family Life's Terry Diener says Democratic Governor Josh Shapiro's proposal would have a major expansion of the program, though the fate of any proposal depends on upcoming negotiations between the governor and the legislature. The number of rebates paid out each year has dropped by more than 25 percent over the past decade. The main reason most people who are eligible for the state rebates also receive social security payments, which are adjusted each year to keep up with inflation. The state program doesn't account for that. As a result, these routine social security increases can cause people who've been receiving rebates for years to suddenly find that their income is too high to qualify. Terry Diener, Family Life News. Thanks, Terry. A Pennsylvania House Democrat accused of sexually harassing multiple people says he's stepping down. State Rep. Mike Zabel said Wednesday he'll step down March 16th. State Representative Abby Major, a Republican from Western PA, alleges Zabel sexually harassed her in a Harrisburg bar last November. He continued pressing the issue, eventually putting his arm around me and touching my back. Zabel stated he's receiving treatment for an illness that caused disturbing behaviors. The chair of the NTSB says she's planning to visit the communities of East Palestine, Ohio and Darlington Township, Pennsylvania. The National Transportation Safety Board is investigating last month's derailment in East Palestine, not far from the Pennsylvania border. Chair Jennifer Hammondy says she expects her trip to the area to take place before the end of this month. Investigators are seeking the cause of a home explosion in Northwest PA. That story from Family Life's Brian Query. The investigation is continuing after an explosion at a demolished home in western Pennsylvania injured one worker and sent debris flying into dozens of homes. The explosion happened Tuesday in Newcastle, Lawrence County. Police said that a contractor was removing debris from a house and garage which was previously demolished when a large explosion occurred. The man operating the demolition equipment suffered a chest injury. There's no 
word on his condition. Police said they've received more than 35 reports of damage to residents, mostly broken windows and cracked foundations. The cause of the explosion has yet to be determined. Brian Query, Family Life News. Thank you, Brian. A Pennsylvania politician wants to clarify the definition of milk in state law. State Senator Elder Vogel Jr. says he wants to define milk as only coming from a dairy cow. For years, farmers have called for the FDA to crack down on plant-based drinks and other products, which they say masquerade as animal-based foods and cloud the real meaning of milk. And some Twitter users are calling for a boycott of Hershey's products. This after the company featured a transgender woman in its International Women's Day promotion in Canada. On March 1st, Hershey's reintroduced its special edition labeled Her Bars in Canada, featuring five women, including transgender rights activist Faye Johnstone. Johnstone is featured on one of the bars and featured in an ad. Hershey has yet to publicly respond to that criticism. All right, that brings us to a check of sports. Good afternoon, I'm Braden Dixon. Mark, we start with a Syracuse University staple stepping down. I've just been lucky to be able to coach this long. Jim Beheim is out as basketball coach after 47 years, following the Orange 77-74 loss to Wake Forest in the ACC tourney yesterday. Beheim says it should have been obvious that he's done. I gave my retirement speech on the court last Saturday, and I gave it in the press conference afterwards, and nobody except William Payne figured it out. CBS's Rick Ackerman has more on the 78-year-old Hall of Fame coach. He took the Orange to five Final Fours, won the championship in 2003 with Carmelo Anthony and over 1,000 career wins. Associate head coach and former Syracuse player Adrian Autry will take over as head coach. Meanwhile, March Madness continues in men's college basketball. Among the area teams in action, Pitt takes on Duke at 2.30 this afternoon in the ACC tournament quarterfinal. Penn State tips off versus Illinois at 6.30 this evening in the Big Ten Tournament second round. And Buffalo faces off against Akron at 6.30 in the MAC Championship quarterfinal. Tonight at 9.30, Niagara and Siena square off for the MAAC Tournament quarterfinal. And in the NBA, superstar Kevin Durant was supposed to be making his son's home debut last night, but instead, a pregame mishap left him with a sprained left ankle. He'll have an MRI today to determine the severity of the injury. Durant left the Phoenix Arena in a walking boot after the Suns beat the Oklahoma City Thunder 132-101. And former NBA star Sean Kemp has been arrested in Pierce County, Washington and charged with a drive-by shooting. The 53-year-old was a six-time NBA All-Star who played 14 seasons in the league, including eight with the Seattle Supersonics, who selected him 17th overall in the 1989 draft. That's a look at sports. Thanks, Brandon. Still to come on the Noon Report, Russia batters Ukraine again, Mitch's mishap, and so long to the fiddler. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Recently, a denominational leader said to me that the best thing the church could do to handle the challenges of this cultural moment would be to, quote, stay in its lane. After all, the so-called culture wars have been grueling, he said, and the church is primarily called to spread the gospel. Now, I think I know what he meant. There's certainly truth to the idea that Christians often overemphasize politics. However, telling the church to just stay in our lane and out of politics is an equally unhelpful answer. 
First, the stay-in-your-lane mandate is typically only applied to the unpopular issues, you know, like abortion, marriage and family, religious freedom. No one ever tells the church to stay in its lane and not fight against sex trafficking or to no longer dig wells for communities without fresh water or to cease sustainable economic development in impoverished nations. Historically, the church's shining moments, in fact, have come often in direct conflict with dominant cultural belief or practice. The Roman world, for example, needed Christians to take in abandoned children and oppose those gladiatorial games precisely because of all the pressure they face to conform. When we engage with culturally acceptable causes, but we stay in our lane on the unpopular ones, we're not only failing the test of courage, but also the test of integrity. We're exposed as a church that loves the approval of our neighbors more than we love them. Also, every law and state action reflects a worldview and are based on consequential assumptions about human value, the nature and purpose of sex, what and how children should be raised, the scope of the state, and a million other things. The question is never whether politics will operate from worldview assumptions, but which worldview it will operate from. Systems that value work, protect human life, and allow for dissenting voices instead of silencing voices, they will always be superior to those systems that don't. Therefore, Christians should engage the political lane as a way to love God and to love our neighbor. However, the biggest issue with this whole stay in your lane approach to the church is the question of what exactly the Christian lane is in the first place. Dutch statesman and theologian Abraham Kuyper put it best, I think, when he said, quote, there's not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry out, mine. In other words, because the head of the church is Christ, and Christ is Lord of everything, Christ's lane is the entire cosmos. The scriptures are crystal clear on this. Colossians 1 states that Christ is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and that God was pleased through Christ to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. What this means is that it all belongs to him. So Christian musicians should make music as if God's sitting next to them on the piano bench. Christian bakers should make sourdough as if God's going to have a slice. Christian citizens of a democratic republic should strive with humility and wisdom to influence and to govern and to live together as if Christ is Lord over all of it, because he is. We contend for the well-being of our neighbors, even when it's unpopular. The question isn't whether Christians should engage politically, but whether we will do it well. So Christian, definitely stay in your lane. Do the good works which God has ordained for us to do from the foundation of the world. Just know that our lane encompasses every conceivable aspect of human existence. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. Breakpoint is made possible by generous gifts from listeners like you. You can support this daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth on our website, breakpoint.org slash radio. That's breakpoint.org slash radio. All right, let's check in now with meteorologist Kevin Williams. In the short term, it's a quiet afternoon with clouds, some sunshine, and high temperatures in the 30s and low 40s. And some cloudiness around tonight, the low in the 20s. Cloudy tomorrow, snow will overspread the region from southwest to northeast during the late morning and afternoon, continue at night. That snow begins as rain in some areas, high temps, 30s and low 40s. And that snow then tapers by Saturday morning after accumulating several inches across the area. Later Saturday, some lighter snows and flurries with high temperatures in the 30s. 
Thank you, Kevin. This is the Noon Report on Family Life. I'm Mark Webster. Thank you again for joining us. Let's recap some of the day's top stories now. As we heard from meteorologist Kevin Williams, we've got some snow headed our way, though it's nothing like what they've experienced the last couple of weeks in the mountains of California, which are under the snow gun again. We flooded in all the gasoline on a toboggan. Many residents' homes and cars have been trapped on all sides by snow that just keeps piling higher. People in mountain communities across California have spent weeks with shovels in hand. And I get three to five inches, five to eight, and then five to eight turned into a foot or more every 12 hours. CBS's Carter Evans. A blizzard of missiles and drones rained terror down upon the people of Ukraine overnight as Russia targeted both infrastructure and civilian targets. This woman spent a sleepless night in her bed. The explosions, they were like at uh, 3, at 4 a.m., then at 5 a.m., so we had to be up all night. Ferocious fighting also continues in the strategic city of Bakhmut, where both sides are suffering heavy losses. A word of caution here, this report is not an easy listen. Losses felt no more acutely than at the funeral of 29-year-old medic Yama Liklitska, who was killed treating injured soldiers in a field hospital outside Bakhmut. Her mother cries in anguish. Oh, Yana, my baby, my little one. MTS tie-up with the tragic reality of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. North Korea is at it again with another missile launch. The U.S. Indo-Pacific Command says it did not pose a threat to the U.S. or its allies. It was a short-range missile. The launch came just after the North Korean leader's sister said her country was ready to take quick, overwhelming action against the U.S. and South Korea as they expand their military training. CBS's Cammie McCormick. Back in this country, the mighty have fallen. The top Republican in the U.S. Senate laid up in the hospital after taking a tumble. Mitch McConnell was taken to a D.C. hospital last night after suffering from a fall. A spokesperson tells CBS News he tripped at a local hotel during a private dinner. He has been admitted to the hospital where he is receiving treatment. It remains unclear what his injuries are at this point or how severe. Nicole Killian reporting. Norfolk Southern CEO on the hot seat on Capitol Hill today, mostly over the derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. Operations management expert Greg DeYoung says what follows today's hearing is more important. This particular accident is going to probably drive some changes. They may or may not be the right changes to be made. In written remarks, the CEO, Alan Shaw, says he's deeply sorry and determined to make things right and clean the East Palestine derailment site safely. How much salt is in your lunch today? Maybe too much? The World Health Organization says cutting salt intake could save 7 million lives globally by 2030, but only nine of its member states have implemented sodium reduction policies. A new WHO report says unhealthy diets are a leading cause of death and disease globally, and excessive salt intake is one of the biggest culprits. Correspondent Elaine Cobb. And the actor famous for playing the fiddler on the roof has passed away. If I were a rich man, Heim Paul was nominated for an Oscar for playing the role of Tevye in the 1971 film version of the Broadway hit musical. The Israeli actor went on to perform the role on stage over 3,000 times in his career. Topal also appeared in many other films, including Flash Gordon and the James Bond film For Your Eyes Only. Heim Paul was 87. I'm Michael Kastner. You're listening to the Noon Report on Family Life.
Breaking news this week regarding how to balance gender transformation rights, parental rights, and with states' rights, too. Welcome to Faith Under Fire, our weekly examination of cultural issues making the news. I'm Greg Gillespie. This Tuesday, the parental rights organization Our Watch sued the state of California. I spoke Tuesday with the group's attorney, Mariah Gondaro, hours after the complaint went to court. Well, the law essentially attempts to tell the parents of other states that California is best suited to raise their children. It was introduced by uh, Senator Scott Weiner in response to legislation in conservative states like Alabama and Texas uh, banning transgender surgeries or labeling them as child abuse. And so it allows children from other states to flee to California to get these types of surgeries without parental consent. And it also denies the right of parents to access their child's medical information. Equally disturbing is it gives California emergency jurisdiction over a child who appears in the state and is unable to obtain gender-affirming care in the child's home state. What is it that is the core of your case? What makes this an improper law that you're trusting the court to overrule? Well, the core of this case is um, the 14th Amendment, the right of parents to direct and control the upbringing of their child. This is one of the most important rights right now. It's being under attack. That's what is at the core of this lawsuit. We want to enjoin it. We want to declare it unconstitutional because it is a direct affront to parental rights. I don't I don't think there's any debate. I mean, this is essentially saying, parents, you're not involved. If a, if a kid comes here wanting to seek surgery, um, we're going to deny you access to any information. That is a violation of the, that parent's rights. And then also what's, what's very concerning about this bill, it also tramples on state rights. There's something called the full faith and credit clause in the United States Constitution. States are supposed to acknowledge the right of other states and defer to them in regards to issues like child custody. But this law essentially says, no, we don't like the laws of other states like Alabama and Texas. We're going to create our own law seeking to undermine those laws. This is a very concerning and dangerous bill. And as many of us know, children are very vulnerable. Children suffering with gender dysphoria, they often have other types of psychological issues. So it's wrong to deny parents the ability to help their child and be involved in this type of decision-making because we have come to find out that there are many children who regret their decision. So that's why we want to make sure parents are involved. Here Mm -hmm. we have the state of California. Is it unfair to say trafficking children, hiding them from from where they were, letting, letting runaways be held by people who are not their parents and not law enforcement? Well, absolutely. I mean, that's another that's another issue that's concerning about this bill is, yes, it could open up human trafficking. It encourages kids to flee from other states without any type of parental supervision. So absolutely, it's dangerous in that regard. At issue is proposed legislation in California, which would make California a transgender sanctuary state. Mariah, what has happened in this society that explains how issues surrounding transgenderism have become so prominent so quickly? That that is a really good question. You know, I, I was actually thinking about it a lot this weekend. And I think really what a lot of this comes down to is, one, just an attack on identity. 
you know, God's, God's design and identity for people, I think we're kind of running into an identity crisis in our culture, right? Where people are, are longing for identity. And also, too, unfortunately, people are exploiting children and even parents are exploiting their own children for attention. Because now the culture is promoting these individuals. They're pushing it. Attorney Mariah Gundero, who this Tuesday sued the state of California regarding a bill which, if it becomes state law, would allow children from other states to be in California to receive transgender medical procedures, all without permission from those minors' parents. The California Attorney General's office would defend that case in court. Family Life has reached out to the AG's office for their comments. I'm Greg Gillespie. Family Life News. Faith Under Fire airs Thursdays during the Noon Report or online anytime at familylife.org. Just ahead, time to get dolled up. It's National Barbie Day. What is it about Barbie that makes her so much fun? What do you like best about Barbie? Her wonderful wardrobe. I like her clothes and she got some bendable legs. I used to have bendable legs. Good afternoon to all. Here's your Family Life regional weather forecast. We're watching a storm system moving east from Colorado. Going to pass south of our region tomorrow night, bringing snow. It's a medium-sized system, but several inches of accumulation can be expected from later tomorrow through tomorrow night. And for this winter, it'll be notable. In the meantime, and the short term, it's a quiet afternoon with clouds, some sunshine, and high temperatures in the 30s and low 40s. And some cloudiness around tonight, the low in the 20s. Cloudy tomorrow, snow will overspread the region from southwest to northeast during the late morning and afternoon, continue at night. That snow begins as rain in some areas, high temps, 30s and low 40s. And that snow then tapers by Saturday morning after accumulating several inches across the area. Later Saturday, some lighter snows and flurries with high temperatures in the 30s. All right, thanks, Kevin. Winter not quite done with us yet. Finally at noon, hopefully Ken got her a nice gift because it's National Barbie Day. I'm tour guide Barbie. Please keep your hands, arms, and accessories inside the car and no flash photography. Thank you. Yeah, it all started in 1959 when the 11.5-inch tall blonde bombshell with the perfect everything debuted at the American International Toy Fair in New York. She cost three bucks back then. Ken came along two years later, quickly followed by the iconic Barbie Dreamhouse. She was designed by Ruth Handler, co-founder of Mattel. She says Barbie's goal was to allow girls to imagine what their lives could be like in the future. Barbie's 200-plus careers have ranged from registered nurse to astronaut. In fact, Space Barbie came out four years before the Apollo moon landing. She's got staying power, too. On average, 100 Barbie dolls are still sold every minute of every day. One survey says one in four girls cut their Barbie's hair. About one in ten like to pop her head off. And 6% admitted to chewing their Barbie's feet. No comment from Ken. That's the world we live in for Thursday, March 9th, 2023. As always, thank you very much for listening. I'm Mark Webster, Family Life News. You've been listening to The Noon Report, heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.